Welcome to the Collections by Michelle Brown Show, a show about people living between the lines, standing boldly in the crosshairs of their intersectionality as they create change. This episode is brought to you in partnership with the Center for Peace Counseling and Holistic Healing Services. Welcome to Collections by Michelle Brown. I'm your host, Michelle Brown. Each week, we'll be talking with people living between the lines, standing boldly in the crosshairs of their intersectionality and creating change. Pamela E. Alexander is no stranger to Collections by Michelle Brown Blog Radio. Being of service to community is just who she is and something she instills in everyone she meets. This gold star mother honors the life of her son, Staff Sergeant Vincent J. Bell, supporting other military families and working with her daughter, London Bell, as part of a Bell Global Justice Institute named in his honor. She served for many years before retiring as a Deputy Executive Director of the Ruth Ellis Center, serving LGBTQ youth in southeastern Michigan. She established the Kofi House Center for Lesbian and Queer Women and Girls. Her research on the life and achievements of the Reverend Dr. Pauline Murray introduced many at the Kofi House to this LGBTQ pioneer in civil rights. Retirement has not slowed her down one bit. Born and raised in Macomb, Michigan, she is now working to ensure her hometown and county are diverse and inclusive. Since February of 2021, Pamela has leading the Northern Macomb County NAACP branch as president of the chapter. In October 2021, Macomb County will hold its first LGBTQ Pride celebration in downtown Mount Clemens, Michigan. Pamela joins us to talk about all of this and the amazing synchronicity that her commitment to social justice brings to everything she touches. Pamela, welcome back to Collections by Michelle Brown. Well, Pamela, I mean, it's always good to talk to you. Happy fall. Happy fall to you as well. I love October, not only because it's my birthday, but um, my birthday month that I had an aunt who, who recited poetry, Stephanie. She always had this poem about October's bright blue weather. And although we don't have blue weather today, there's something beautiful about fall. Yes, it is my favorite time of the year. It really is. Mm -hmm. Now, you know, we have talked so many times. You're always doing something, which is like amazing to me. You are always in community, in all the different parts 
of your community. And that, to me, is what's so amazing about you. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I knew that after you left Ruth Ellis, it wouldn't be long before, you know, I'd see you doing something else. You live in Macomb. And, you know, most people think when they think of this area, they think of Detroit. They might think of, like, maybe Ferndale, Royal Oak, Southfield. But did you grow up in Macomb? And what is it about Macomb that's special to you? Well, it is where I grew up. Absolutely, it is. And with that being said, you know, this is home to me. I was born and raised in uh, at St. Joe Hospital in downtown Mount Clemens. And I grew up five, maybe ten minutes from the hospital that I was born in. And for the most part of, of I mean, all of my life, I have not lived further than 40 minutes from my birthplace. And that includes the years that I lived in the city of Detroit. Wow, wow. You know, and I'll tell you, I think I've been to Mount Clemens twice. I mean, honestly. I mean, because once I had a friend who lived there, and then the other time, you know, it's, it's a long story, but I had to go to a cat veterinar- veterinarian, you know, because I was sort of locked into that. But, you know, when I, I don't think, I know that Mount Clemens is over there somewhere, I don't think of it as a place for African Americans. What's the demographics like, and are there a lot? I mean, what's the demographics like in Macomb? In Macomb, I would say overall the population for the entire county is, uh, as far as African Americans, is around 10, maybe 11 percent, maybe 12. I haven't looked at the data recently, but I know um, that um, uh, Macomb in general is vastly growing, and that does include um, African-American families moving into the Macomb County uh, community. And Macomb County, like northern Macomb County, which is where I live now, and, and through the NAACP as the president, I represent northern Macomb County. There are are, um, 17 communities in northern Macomb County. Mm -hmm. And um, I think a total of 26, 26, 27 communities for the entire uh, uh, Macomb County uh, geographical area. When you retired from, no, when you when you switched gears, because you have not retired, you're still a very busy person, from the Ruth Ellis Center, had you thought that your path would lead you to being more engaged and involved in, in your hometown? Oh, absolutely. I That was always my plan, actually. Um I worked roughly 37 years. Uh, All of my experiences as it relates to human services uh, was in Detroit, Wayne County. Um, And what I wanted to do 
uh, after all those years is do work in Macomb County. And um, and so I'm really, you know, very much a grassroots person. So with that being said, it wasn't difficult to find spaces and places where I could, uh, you know, use my skills and what I call gifts and talents to support uh, organizations that align with my values and my beliefs. Well, we're going to come back to to your work there, but another thing that I I thought that I was like also again impressed with you was your work as a researcher and historian, particularly around the life and work of Polly Murray. I had talked to Victor Salvo, who is the executive director of a legacy project in Chicago, and this month they're going to put a plaque up, and he had. It was interesting to me that he had just, like, discovered Pauli Murray. It was like, you know, like he kind of had heard the name, but he didn't. Well, you know, I had I had been just, like, blown away from what you told me about it. But he was like, oh, my God, Pauli Murray. Do you know about Pauli Murray? And he was going on and on and on about Pauli Murray. And I was saying, like, you know, you probably should talk to Pamela Alexander. She knows. Pauline Murray. Um, I know there's a documentary out. What since last we talked about Pauline Murray? And I know you've seen the documentary. What do you think about it? And what is happening around getting her the recognition that she so rightly deserves? Well, you know, I am just really so excited of the fact that uh, the story is being told. Uh, in a documentary. I think that the director and the producers did a great job uh, in telling um, the story, uh, working with the family and also Harvard University and, you know, researching through uh, the Schlesinger Library um, as it relates to uh, the writings of uh, women who are influential in our society. These are th- This is one of the locations where... Uh, Holly Murray's, uh, Dr. Murray's information has been um, uh, stored. And so I just believe that the documentary itself is a good start. I believe that we need to ensure that this story is told in our public schools, that Mm -hmm. uh, the life and legacy of Dr. Murray is included in women's studies programs across the country. I believe that uh, BIPOC people should uplift um, Dr. Murray because she was a genius, first of all. And and there's nothing about what we do today that is not directly connected to Pauli Murray and her efforts to ensure the rights of uh, people of color, black people, women, and the rights of children. Mm-hmm. And and so with that being said, everything that I do today, I can connect it back to this tiny little person who decided she was going to make a difference. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, he was saying that, like, you know, each year, well, they didn't last year, but like they have the plaques on, um, I can't think of the name of the street, but it, it's basically in Boys Town in Chicago. 
And although mm-hmm. Boys Town is starting, I mean, you know, more people, I mean, we're everywhere, you know, people of color, um, <laughs> the LGBT community is everywhere. But, you know, when I think about not only the documentary, but here this plaque is, and Boys Town is Boys Town, and many people equate that with being white gay men. And often documentaries don't filter down to the African-American community, to BIPOC community, to queer communities of color. What can we do to make sure that they hear about, you know, that that this message gets to us. It's not just like the best kept secret of, you know, or co-opted by the white gay community who will go like, oh, yes, you know, we're brilliant. But that that little girl, that little boy, that little trans child who maybe is going to Ruth Ellis, you know, knows Polly Murray. Well, you know, and, and that was one of the reasons why when I started working at the Ruth Ellis Center, I would ask uh, young people and my coworkers, you know, have you ever heard of Polly Murray? Each time mm-hmm. I asked that question, every person always said no. Mm. They always said no. And so, you know, especially with uh, Pauline Murray, whom I believe today would have identified more in the line with the, being uh, gender nonconforming. Um, and and so just really trying to shed light, even in meetings, uh, when we would have a meetings and you know, I'd mentioned Dr. Pauli Murray as she was a civil activist and civil rights activist, rather, and uh, and she was on the spectrum. She was community. Still didn't get it. It wasn't until the mm-hmm. Kofi House was born, and I started bringing in books um, to put into the library there, and that I was able to really not just tell talk about um, Dr. Murray, but tell the story. And to this day, even just recently, uh, there's a, uh, a young artist that recently reached out to me and shared with me that she's working on a play about Pauli Murray and that she uh, attributes her love, and her interest in love of Pauli Murray by walking into the Kofi house one day and picking up a book. Mm. Uh, and it was written by Pauli Murray. So... And and this is and this person is young, so I I really believe it will be uh, the millennials and gener- generation Z who will who will continue to honor and and bring light to her 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 uh, efforts uh, in the civil rights movement. They will be the ones that will keep uh, her alive and and tell the story and retell the story and share the stories about how much she contributed to people, just human, human beings in our society. They have really grabbed on to her. And, and, and so for me, you know, if uh, just the idea of making sure that when I talk with different groups of folks, like with the NAACP and the, the branch out here in Northern Macomb County, they never heard of her, you know. Mm-hmm. And so that's an opportunity you know, to to talk and share about someone who really was on the front lines of doing civil rights work before Rosa Parks 
before uh, uh, Mr. Bunch, before before Thurgood Marshall, you know, and uh, and that is truly a legacy, you know, because Thurgood Marshall, I said, I think suggested that she wrote the Bible to the Civil Rights Movement, Holly Murray. And so, and, and, and so that's why this is the kind of easy lessons that can be taught in um, all different levels of, of schooling and in college courses and universities and in law schools and in medical school, you know, because of how much she contributed and way overdue, but she knew just in her writings and her stories and uh, that she knew that one day, we as Americans would get it, and they would. We would see how much she contributed. She she didn't she didn't live in that in this in this life. Whereas people are honoring her today, but she knew that it would happen, and and so for me, it's just like I can't think of anyone else that has contributed as much as she has to um, our society here in America. You know, I totally agree with you that I think that it's going to be the millennials and the other generation because like you, I mean, in part, and I would say because of the Internet, in part because of of COVID where many of them have been at home and they've, they've started to dig and, and redefine what they feel is important in studies. But like you, I have gone places and people who – one would consider my contemporaries, my my peers didn't know about Pauline Murray or just like only peripherally know about it. I've met people who are who, you know, were like surprised to hear about Ruth Ellis. I mean, you know, mm-hmm. there's I mean, all these other people and if they when I was talking to Victor and he was talking about how they have this display and again the display has many people of color on it. They have one that goes around but where it is is not where we're exposed to it. But what even that what they're finding is like these young millennials. I mean, they're digging, they're finding out. They're not just taking what has been spoon-fed to them. They're looking and digging. And if you give them that that kernel, that book, you know, that that insight into something, they're going to do it. And how important is that? Because our contemporaries, many of them aren't thinking about it. They're not talking about these important lessons, the brilliance of, you know, the African-American community, African-American gay community, LGBTQ, what we've done and given. And, and, you know, in and when you boil it down to the genius of someone like Pauli Murray, everyone knows about the notorious RBG. Many people would talk about Thurgood Marshall. But like you said, both of them referred back to Polly Murray. They did. Both of them did. In fact, in um, the case that uh, uh, Justice Ginsburg won um, at the Supreme Court, which, you know, positioned her to move on and become eventually uh, a justice herself, was the case Reed versus Reed. And it was, uh, and so she literally used uh, an argument, uh, a case uh, argument that Polly Murray had used earlier, maybe five, seven years earlier, to, to position herself to argue her case 
uh, at the Supreme Court justice, I mean, the Supreme Court. So, yes, and, and, and so she gave credit to um, Pauli Murray on that, on that case, and it's part of the official uh, brief that she submitted to the Supreme Court. But, see, that was never taught to me in high school. I never learned mm-hmm. that. I never, le- I never learned it in college. I had women's studies classes in college. I, I, I learned about the, the National Organization for Women, but I didn't learn that there was a black woman who founded that, who co-founded it. I only heard about the white woman who founded it, not the black mm-hmm. woman. And that mm-hmm. was Dr. Pauli Murray. It was co-founded by Friedman and Murray, those two. Okay. And, and for example, I never knew that John F. Kennedy appointed uh, Dr. Murray as the chair of the, um, uh, with the uh, United Nations, the Center for, for, for Women. You know, I, I never knew that. It was a social justice center for women through the United Nations. John F. Kennedy, President Kennedy, appointed Dr. Murray to head that. I never knew that. And I know a lot about the United Nations, but I didn't know that. You see, so there, there have been a lot of missed opportunities to include uh, Dr. Murray uh, in writing history. Uh, I only am so thankful that I discovered her many years ago and have, you know, and at first I was just reading for myself. And then I started having conversations and I saw how, you know, interested people were and how even Tim Retzlow, and you know Dr. Retzlow from the universe, I think mm-hmm. from Michigan State University, mm-hmm. he was surprised. He came to the Kofi house and he kept, you know, he said to me something, I've never heard of her, you know, mm-hmm. but what he eventually did do, as he shared with me, uh, he had his class do, uh, I guess, a project on, on Pauli Murray. And, you know, and so that, that really, really just, it, it just helps to continue the conversation to ensure that, uh, first of all, Dr. Murray gets credit for everything that she has ever done, okay, and, and for our society as a whole. It, it wasn't just for BIPOC people because really what she wanted to do was enshrine or ensure that the laws were equitable and that everyone had an opportunity for whatever it was that they were trying to do to get there, you know. And so, uh, and that's the reasons why she fought so hard for women. But she also understood that even with the fight that she had with her white sisters side by side, even in that fight, she knew, she knew that there was a fight and there was a fight for for white women and, and, and to be liberated. But it was the struggle that black women had to endure, okay, mm-hmm. to, to just make it to the point where they were part of the fight, you know. And she, she was always with, a, you know, a very collective or uh, eclectic group of liberal uh, women, primarily white women. But she also had... Uh, a core group of black feminist uh, trailblazers herself. So she had a nice balance. She really, really did. And and she knew 
what the fight was about, how to get into the fight, how to write about the fight, and always educating and, and advocating for the laws to be fair. And if they needed to be changed, to change them, you know. Mm-hmm. And so that's what she's, that's what she put forth. That's what I get out of her readings. And even to this day, since our last conversation, Michelle, I tell you, I still continue my research. And I have still found so much more information. I mean, letters, uh, uh, audio uh, speeches, and just, it's just tons and tons and tons of it. One afternoon when I was just as, you know, just just researching, because I love the research, I found 50 different uh, additional uh, areas of material uh, on Polly Murray, uh, Dr. Murray, one Sunday afternoon when I was having uh, tea here at home. And I just, because I, once I start, it's like I'm just going to go right into this rabbit hole and keep up, you know, keep going and on and on. And when I when I stop, it's like four or five hours later. And then it's time to, like, print things out because I don't like to read things on the, uh, uh, on the computer. I print things out, organize them, and then when I, you know, go back and I just got, start reading back through things. So I pulled out 50 new different articles, speeches, uh, uh, recordings, photos, things that I've never seen before, a total of 50. So I just, I got, I got enough research to last me for the rest of the year, I guess. <laughs> well, you it's know, unbelievable. But, but that's why, you know, and, and I think that that's one of the things that you do. You bear that torch, and we cannot let that torch go out, we have to, someone always has to find it. When it looks like it's flickering, find some more kindling to put on to keep it going. We're going to take our first break and talk a little bit more. So we'll be right back. This episode of Collections by Michelle Brown is brought to you in partnership with the Center for Peace Counseling and Holistic Healing Services, bringing balance to your mind, body, and spirit. For more information or to schedule an appointment, visit the Center at www.thecenterforpeacellc.com. Back here on collections by Michelle Brown with Pam Pamela Alexander. You know we were talking about Pauli Murray and her influence on Thurgood Marshall. Now you know when we think of Thurgood Marshall, many people think not only of the Supreme Court but his his time with the NAACP. He was influenced by Pauli Murray. I know that you you are now very involved with the NAACP in Macomb. 
And I know that you remember like a couple of years ago when the NAACP hit a conference here, and they had a separate like plenary on um, LGBT people of color. And I'll tell you, I've known about the NAACP. In fact, I had an NAACP card before I could drive. I had an aunt who, who was a big supporter of it. She always made sure that we had we were members of the NAACP as soon as, you know, she could. And that's what she would renew each year for our birthdays. But going into that conference, I sort of felt like, hmm, do these people not remember that I, too, am black, you know? Um, and how did you, I know that you were there, um, but then you, you stepped up here in Macomb with the NAACP. You know that Pauline Murray strongly, did, you know, laid the groundwork for everything that Thurgood Marshall would become. And he is, you know, people go, oh, Thurgood Marshall, NAACP, while Paulie had was in the shadows. What made you, how did, first of all, how have, has your relationship been, your feelings about NAACP as an African-American lesbian active in your community? And what made you decide to become, take a bigger role of it there in Macomb? That's a really good question. And so, first of all, um, um, as this partic- this particular uh, group was being organized, because this is the first time there's been a branch um, in northern Macomb County, NAACP branch in Macomb County. And with that being said, uh, we organized. I wasn't part of the original organizing group, but I did get involved right there midway. And once I got involved, and I decided, you know what, I am going to run for president and mm-hmm. and and so that I can truly make a difference uh in in my community so that's that was that was what the plan was for me and 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 I said to myself that I could not run um as a person in the closet because I have not been in the closet and i i'm you know i'm I'm at that age and stage in my life where I'm not going to be in the closet. So I decided to run as an openly gay person, as a lesbian, retired from work, you know, from, retired from uh, my career, and bringing forth um, 37 years of experience working with people across the table of all different nationalities, cultures, uh, you know, orientation, everyone. And that was my platform. But I, I, I my, my little bio statement, and so when it went out to the membership to to vote, you know, for them to vote, even to the state president and the area director, everyone knew who I was when I ran. And so with that being said, I have, I have absolutely worked toward making sure that um, the uh, LGBT community is inclusive, uh, and um, the work that we do here, uh, it's, it's, it's just part of the work in general. And, and, of course, you know, the NAACP is is an inclusive organization. What they have not done, at least to my knowledge, not to the, to the extent that, because I'm a history person, 
um, is really be more inclusive about the, the, the leadership that was involved at the forefront uh, early on in the NAACP, like Bayard Rustin and, and, and certainly Dr. Murray. And, 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 and so those are the conversations and discussions that I have out here. And we've had some activities. We've had, you know, we had a, a, for a Pride Month, we had a, a speaker come in, did a great presentation on um, gay artists. Um, so we have, you know, we and, and and of course this this particular branch is, I call it a, a branch that is really driven by millennials because the, the like eighty ninety percent of the folks that are on the executive committee are people who are uh, who are, are very idealistic. They're they're young, um, they're millennials and Gen Z, and so uh, this is the future. And so um, I'm, I'm very comfortable uh, being who I am, being myself, and I'm around people um, through the executive committee as well as the membership who are very accepting for um, uh, the agenda that we have set to be inclusive in the community. Everything that we do is about making sure that everyone counts in Northern Macomb County. Now, However, that is probably very much in contrast to what you may know about Macomb County in general. Uh, and see, that, that's, that's the political aspect of it. Because the NAACP is non-political, we don't get into the political components of Dems and Republicans. We don't have those kind of conversations. So all of our work is really about being inclusive. Mm-hmm. You know, one of the things, I mean, I mean, there's so, you are the right person. I mean, and it's sort of like you're timeless in a way. You bridge communities. You bridge, you know, so many different things. I was looking on your page. And one of the other things that anyone who who has crossed your path knows is that you are a gold star mother. And you brought up how way far back in the 30s, that the NAACP went to battle on behalf of black mothers and widows for other gold star mothers. I mean, you know, how it's like there's no coincidence that you are there and that you would bring that up to, you know, it's more than just what people might think of. You know, you have to remember what the NAACP is about. Many people think it's like, oh, we just want your money or it's just a dinner. But when you saw that and to help link that, I mean, that's, your, that's what you do all the yeah. time. Yeah. Yeah. In fact, you know, um, I, like I said in that posting, um, I received a very nice letter from the TAPS program from the executive director who was sharing the fact that, you know, our senators had done this very loyal thing of promoting Gold Star families, but there was a little history there that really bothered me, and so I could have left it at that. Oh, I didn't like that particular senator and just let it go, but I did more research and then more research and, and 
and that's how the whole picture came out as it relates related to the NAACP fighting on behalf of uh, Black Gold Star mothers and widows uh, during a time when uh, this country, you know, had just won a war, World War One, and yet our Black mothers and and uh, Black widows were, you know, cast aside, you know, and so, um, and, and and so the the injustice there was just, it was horrifying for me to read that. So I reached out to the TAPS program, the, the, you know, the group that sent me the, the letter, the email, and then I reached out to the two senators. <laughs> I, just, I just went on a kind of a roll. But what mm-hmm. I would like to see is, and I, I plan to reach out to uh, uh, my senators here in Michigan, because I would like for them to go on the record, Senator Stabenauer, as well as Senator Peters, to go on the record to officially address that injustice. I know it happened, you know, almost 100 years ago, but it's still part of the history and the legacy of this country. It was a fight well fought by the NAACP. And, of course, I have two hats on. I'm the president of our branch, but I'm also a Gold Star mother. And my, I feel my heart breaks for those mothers who endured um, such a tragedy. 651 mothers, black mothers, were eligible to go, and, and they boycotted. The majority of them, of them they boycotted it uh, because of how they were being treated by our government, and only 43 uh, ended up going to France. With that being said, you know, it, it is good that the uh, NAAC uh, stood by those mothers. It wasn't the outcome they wanted to see, but at least it gave light to what was happening. But just like any other time in history, if you don't, if you don't write about it, if you don't talk about it, if you don't share that story to the next generation, here I am, you know, I'm almost 70 years old now. I never heard of that story. That was never written anywhere that I had ever, um, you know, read about it, never read that anywhere. And and so with that being said, if I had not gotten that email from that program executive from TAPS, I, I, I would not have known. I should have known that just like all the other black mothers who have lost a child and black women who are widows. And and their children are fatherless, or even you know if they're if they lost a daughter, or if they lost a wife, you know that's part of the history. History continues to be erased when it deals with uh, the negativity of how black people have been treated in history. And then of course today, you know the politics of it is that well why do we have to keep digging up the past? I'm not digging it up, you know. I am actually learning it for the first time. And I believe that the, uh, in my opinion, you know, the, the, the group of people that need to address that are, are politicians, are Congress, because it was through the GOP that they were the ones against paying for black mothers and widows to go uh, to France uh, as with the white mothers and 
And uh, and then of course there's the American Gold Star family, and you know organization. They never spoke out on behalf of black mothers and widows either. So there's a whole story behind that. But what I've learned is that the NAAC was on the forefront of that fight. And so that gives me, uh, it is truly a privilege for me to, um, you know, to be involved in the NAACP. Uh, we've, um, we've, we've addressed many issues out here as it relates to civil rights uh, and, and, and race relationships in the schools, you know, in the communities, you know, um, people still are being oppressed as it relates to housing intimidation. Uh, yes, Macomb County is a growing uh, county, and but, you know, it's like any other place in the Midwest. It has its challenges. And, and so, but we're working with uh, organizations and, you know, um, there's been some outreach with, you know, different cities and, 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 of course, Macomb County itself to address some of these issues. And and so that's why I believe that this particular branch is on the forefront of of, of addressing um, some of these challenges and also uh, working to make a difference. Well, you know it is, and it's like if you don't know your past, and like and and also by you being knowing that this has happened in the past, and you know that there are black families who have lost someone recently who might yeah. not feel for some reason like, well, this isn't for me, or just get the lip service but not know that what they're experiencing is something that has been go- going on. You know, we often talk about trauma. We as black people, sometimes we have a historic trauma. That was traumatic for those mothers, and it was probably that they talked or maybe did not talk about and pass that trauma on through generations. And at some point, you know, we should be proud for the service that we did, proud for of those families that that stood up, though angry about those who weren't able to go or, you know, so that they were denied those rights. But that's part, you know, of getting over and healing and moving forward is to understand that these things happened but still we persevered, still we persisted. We are still here. You know, someone was talking about how early in the manifest, how they reported us like we were cattle. But you know what? Cattle was something that they didn't expect to last. We are still here generation after generation after generation. We are humans. We are part of the fabric of this country. And here I can see, I mean, as you stand there as a gold star mother, with your history of the NAACP, with your history of community service, like you said, it's not just about membership. It's about a movement. A movement continues to go and grow. And if it's stagnant, it won't attract anybody. But as it goes and grows, it's going to bring in these new voices and this new world so that we can stop some of this stuff that continues to happen. Absolutely. And that's one of the reasons why I feel such a admiration, and it's an honor 
on to lead to be to be at the lead of uh this organization now and um i i believe that um just you know looking at the potential and the possibilities of uh more youthful folks coming behind me oh yeah i i believe that this 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 particular branch has a strong voice um, um, in Macomb County, and I've been invited to so many tables um, to sit down and, and talk about, you know, what the agenda, and we just got started just this year. I was just elected in March of, you know, I was sworn in in March of this year, so, you know, we're, we've been, you know, um, an organization now for six months. And we've had some great presentations, some some really great discussions with our membership. In fact, uh, I have colleagues um, uh, with the FBI, and they're going to be part of our. They're going to um, present at our um, membership meeting coming up October 18th. You know, we had folks from Cormanos um, uh, Institute, Cancer Institute. Um, to present to our membership base um, in um, September, and um, and we're hoping to have actually a uh, a brunch um, um, for as a I guess as a fundraiser. We don't have really the plans together as of yet. We haven't finalized the plans yet, but either sometime by the end of the year or the first of uh, 2022. Um, so we can bring not just our membership but also organizations together and mm-hmm. um, and, and um, have a meal and have a conversation about civil rights um, in Macomb County and what that means to people. You know, okay. uh, we know mm-hmm. that there's a lot going on in the Midwest. There's a lot going on in Michigan. There's a whole lot going on in, in, in Macomb County. But there are folks who really believe uh, – we need to be doing the right thing. And those are the folks that I align myself with, the folks who want to do the right thing for the right reason. Well, well, with that, that's a perfect segue. Um, We're going to take our second break, and then in a couple weeks you have another first that's coming to Macomb, and I want to talk about Macomb Pride. So we'll be right back. Collections by Michelle Brown airs every Thursday at 7 p.m. You can subscribe now and listen to the podcast on Blog Talk Radio, iTunes, Stitcher, or SoundCloud. Be sure to like the Collections by Michelle Brown Facebook page and mark your calendar so you never miss an episode. on collections by Michelle Brown and I am talking to someone I could probably talk to like for hours upon hours upon hours <laughs> and, and one day you know what we're just going to go and do like a really long lunch and sit there and do that but um, okay, you know 
Okay. One of the things that's coming up on the 16th is the very first Macomb Pride. Yes. To me, that's huge. I mean, we have had, like, pride deferred, like, because of COVID, like, you know, last year everything was kind of virtual. You have people who lost touch. This year it's been spread out, you know, throughout the year. But, you know, people are coming back out. They're feeling good. And this is another part of one of our many communities, Macomb Pride, the first year. How did yes. how involved were you with that, and how did the conversation come about to do this? Well, you know what? I guess I can go back to the first call that I received while I was still working at the Rivella Center, and that probably would have been sometime in November of 2019. Um, the uh, gentleman that reached out to the Rivella Center uh, in the call was referred to me, wanted to know more about what it is, what you know, what we did at the Ruthella Center, and he wanted to know how um, he could, you know, actually spend some time with us, or maybe meet or, and have a conversation about because he was looking to develop some type of pride organization in Macomb County. And I says, "Wow, well, I'm from Macomb County." I says, <laughs> "I'd love to be able to have that conversation with you." And so uh, so he invited me to meet with a group of folks who live in Macomb County. And um, I think it was three or four folks at that time. And so, and so the person that uh, is, uh, is now the executive director and the person that called um, the Rubella Center that um, day, his name is Phil Gilchrist. And so uh, and it was a pleasure to meet him. Um, he only shared with, me at that time that they didn't really know what they would organize and how it would come together, but it was really just a conversation because he was, you know, had had thoughts around maybe doing something for the new year, you know, bringing in the new year, which was December 31st. So that's what we actually, that's what I first attended with Macomb County Private. Even at that time, uh, there were a couple of articles. I know that he had uh, an article in Affirmations, the beat between the lines. And so I, I don't know how big of a fanfare it was, but the uh, the event itself I did attend, dragging in in the new year, um, in December, on December 31st of 2019. And it was really nice. It was in downtown Mount Clemens, which was 15 minutes from me. Um, it, it was in the theater that I used to go to when I was a kid growing up. So I was home, and so I had a great time that night. And so a couple of weeks later, he reached back out to me and asked me if I wanted to join them for, I think, lunch or dinner again. And so, and then it was at that time he suggested that they were looking to actually organize um, uh, some type of grassroots uh, board. And and in doing that, uh, I was invited to be a part of the conversation. And then uh, we met, I think, in March, just before the pandemic. It was like, I think, a week before the pandemic. And we agreed that we would, you know, organize a board and uh, unofficially, you know, like took on leadership roles just to keep things, the conversation going. 
Um, within, you know, a week, the pandemic came. It shut things down. We continue to have conversations thereafter through Zoom. And really, that's how the organization got started, really being structured in a way whereas, you know, there were continued conversations, um, uh, filled it, uh, filed for the 501c3 and also with the state of Michigan. And then, of course, organizing different events virtually. We would have community conversations and stuff like that. And then um, just as, you know, the months went on and things weren't getting much better with the pandemic, uh, we continued to do things just virtually. And so we've had, we have a book club um, that's, that, that is virtual. We have um, a talk show. Uh, it's called Outlook. Um, and we had a pride picnic, actually. I believe it was in June. And so that was at a park in um, Macomb County, right here in Sterling Heights, please. So that was really nice because that was a really nice gathering, um, that um, really beautiful, um, I think it was a Sunday afternoon. And um, and so the word has gotten out because, I mean, uh, we have volunteers that, you know, support Macomb County Pride. Um, and for me now, the really big event, of course, is the upcoming um, uh, uh, weekend Pride event that we have starting October 15th through the 17th. And so with that being said, you know, we just, I'm excited to be on the board. I'm excited to be a part of this initiative. And with the uh, Pride event coming up in October, I mean, um, Saturday, that Saturday we'll have vendors uh, that are coming throughout, you know, coming from um, um, Macomb and um, Oakland County. Um, we will have, um, um, let's see, what else? Um, we'll, I, I think we have bands that will be there all day on Saturday as well. Uh, there's a brunch on Sunday, um, uh, drag queen brunch. And then on Friday evening, um, which is the 15th, um, there will be a LGBT or um, uh, gay uh, um, uh, pub, uh, um, what do you call it, uh, bar club, uh, not bar club, mm-hmm. but we'll be going to different bars, uh, uh, a bar, a uh, crawl, pub crawl, mm-hmm. get that out right. And so with that being said, I mean, it's going to be a really, really uh, good uh, weekend. It's going to be a really good weekend. And I think everyone who participates will have a really good time. And, um, you know, and all the restaurants in downtown Mount Clemens are involved. Um, So you can go from restaurant to restaurant. It's called the Pride Pub Crawl. And it's Mm -hmm. from 6 p.m. to close. And the different bars uh, that are involved are Little Lorraine's, Gumbo, which is a, a Creole uh, um, a restaurant, Abibos, Orleans, Cellar 104, I think that's a wine place, Hilarion's, um, and Bath City Bistro. They got really good food there. Your Mother's, uh, Madison's Pub, and Three Blind Mice. Wow. So, I mean, a lot of restaurants that are just all in walking distance, and so you'll be able to go from place to place and, and um, you know, sample foods and 
and uh, just have a good time. And then um, on the 16th, of course, which is that Saturday from 12 to 6.30, it'll be a street fair with resources and vendors. We'll have live performances, and the headliner performance uh, is by Nikki Holland and the Dirty Elizabeths. And then, of course, on Sunday, Drag Queen Brunch, and that's from Mm -hmm. 11 to 1. And uh, so, yeah, it's a, it is a first for Macomb County, but I can tell you this. The Downtown Development Corporation, the mayor of Mount Clemens, this is heavily supported by uh, the city of Mount Clemens and Macomb County. Well, I'll tell you, um, a while back, Nikki Holland contacted me and she said, October 16th, you know, Macomb, Pride, you got to be there. And so I put it in my calendar. Um, I'm, I will be coming back from L.A., but I'm going to, I'm mm-hmm. thinking now and listening to you, I think I'm going to come up Friday to participate in that. But um, Nikki Holland on Saturday, um, they're going to have uh, Nikki Holland and the Dirty Elizabeths. Uh, mm-hmm. Sing Out Detroit will be there. Uh, Mae James. There'll be a, a drag performance. Uh, mm-hmm. There'll be a performance by um, Loadout with their DJ Steve Henderson. They are expecting mm-hmm. because I got a, a thing last night. They are expecting, you know, obviously certain dignitaries like um, mm-hmm. I know Andy Levin is going to be there. People right. from other right. organizations, um, mm-hmm. and all of this is going to go on from twelve to 6.30, there's some rabble-rouser who's going to be the MC for the first half from 12.30. You may know her, Michelle Brown. I don't know what she's doing <laughs> up there, but, you know, but she's going to try and keep it decent. I mean, so uh-huh. I think that it's going to be, I'm just, like, really excited that this uh-huh. is happening to keep it going. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, we always yeah. say that we're proud and we're happy 24-7, 365, but to have these events going on. I'm just hoping that the weather is nice. Um, What you've told me, I mean, what you told me about Friday night, even if I wasn't going to be there on Saturday, I'd come up there for that. But um, I'm definitely going to come for that. That sounds really great. You know, Mount Cummins is not that far. It's a beautiful place. I mean, for people to come make a a weekend of it on this first Friday. And you know what, in fact, there's no little small community that is right on the river. Mm-hmm. See, Mount Clemens, downtown Mount Clemens is right on the Mount Clemens River. I mean, that's where it sits. So, you know, um, and it's 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 a it's a it's a town. It's it's a sleepy little town. I mean, not not a whole lot happens, but when there are events and you know and gatherings and so forth like we have our uh we have the uh the fireworks in downtown mount clemens is right on the riverfront it's it's absolutely beautiful you know Mm. and so we've had parades in downtown mount clemens is to me downtown mount clemens um is really a quaint little town and i believe um as we continue to grow like the rest of Macomb County and uh, just this area in general in southeastern Michigan, you know, I, there's so much potential for downtown Mount Clemens. 
Absolutely it is. And so I believe that with the support of, you know, the city government of Mount Clemens, and, and they heavily support uh, the inclusivity of all people, uh, and they, they support uh, Macomb County Pride. I, I see that this is a really good start to a, a building community in a way that hasn't happened in 50 years in Mount Clemens. And so, you know, I, I look at uh, Ferndale and Royal Oak and, you know, um, little suburban towns uh, in Oakland County and how much it's grown over the years. Well, you know, that is one of the things that I, I, I hope to, you know, be part of in supporting and growing uh, and building back better, as mm. still in the words from our president, building back better to make it more inclusive and to make it very community-oriented. For that fact, along with Macomb County Pride, there is another little group here that is uh, primarily, actually, is is it's uh, it's a black uh, gay uh, it's a black uh, gay group, and they're called Sparkle, and it's mm. it's, it's young girls, black girls, uh, sisters who are trans, who are non-gender conforming, uh, they're queer, they identify as queer, they don't necessarily identify as lesbian. It's it's a because I did a presentation um, with them. Uh, they invited me to come out and do a presentation. So when, if you'd like, at some time in the future, if you'd like to interview them, I'm sure they would absolutely love it. They are part of a program that's in Macomb County. It's called the, uh, let me see, uh, it's uh, the TB Mentoring Program. Tommy Barnes Mentoring Program, and so it's it, and so this group is it's a mentoring program for young for for youth um, um, that live in the Mount Clemens School District, mm-hmm. and uh, but a component of the program is for queer uh, queer young uh, girls, and so uh, and they and 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 a couple of them. Um, have gone to uh, the Rubella Center. But see, that's such a distance away for them. It really oh, yeah. is, you know. You know, so they decided that what they wanted to do was start something of their own. And that's what they did with the support of this mentoring program. So they have their own, they meet in downtown Mount Clemens. And so, and the name of the group is Sparkle. I'm going to send to you a link. Uh, to them so that you, you know, if you'd like to some someday to reach out to them. And, uh, well, I hope doing... that you'll also introduce me if, you know, if, if over this weekend, you know, introduce me. I'd love to, I'd love to meet them. And, and you know, because as soon as you said that, you know, I'm making a note to self. Oh, yeah. You know, <laughs> uh, future guest list. Mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And I will absolutely introduce you. Um, mm-hmm. To uh, um, to sparkle to the group sparkle, and and mm-hmm. you know like I said downtown Mount Clemens it's it's uh, now Mount Clemens itself is about forty percent black, okay, and uh, and 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 so there are no abandoned homes there are, I mean every parcel of housing is you know um, it's a quaint little town there are no vacancies. You know, wow. um, 
And um, so, uh, and it's always been this way. There's a plethora of churches, either walking distance. You don't have to do a whole lot. You know, folks generally, you know, if they go outside of Mount Clemens, that's fine. But most of what you want to do in Mount Clemens, you can walk to. And that's how it was when I was a kid growing up as Mm -hmm. well. Um, But it's really nice to see that I've never heard of any issues related to the LGBT community out here. And 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 to know that uh, it's 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 not it's growing in a way now where they they have their own you know space and 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 activities that they're engaged in you know um, so that's been nice to learn about along with Macomb County Pride and of course being on the board from Macomb County Pride you know it's it's really nice so I you know and 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 Macomb County when it when it comes to black folks. You know, that includes New Haven and Romeo, Michigan. And, mm. you know, there's different little communities uh, all stretched out through Macomb County. You've got Roseville. You know, I believe, I believe it's East Point or Roseville. I forget which city has a black mayor now. And I think uh, East Point so, just got one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so, you know, and there's a sizable black gay community that lives in East Point and in um um, Roseville, not black, but just in general, uh, gay folks live. And there are gay folks out here where I live. I see, I see the uh, pride flags. There's a, a family in back of me with this big old flag that hangs in front of the house, you know. So, and of course, our uh, Republican representative from my district is an openly gay uh, uh, man, white man. You know, mm-hmm. I, I forget his name, but but anyway, uh, he's gay. He he ran on the platform of being openly gay, and so and uh, and you know, won by a landslide. So, you know, um, I I think for Macomb County, um, there's still we need to work here in Macomb County how we message and how we uh, show the world who we are. You know, and I think that. Um, we need to do better at messaging the, the the real message that we would like to live up to, which is, you know, we say we are a welcoming community. I just want to make sure that we live and, you know, live by that. And so mm-hmm. for me, I can honestly say that that's how I live and that's pretty much how most of my my neighbors live. And um, so I'm I'm comfortable where I'm at, and I'm comfortable with the, what I do here in Macomb County. Not only am I on the board of you know uh, of the NAACP branch here, and I work with I'm on the board of the Macomb County Pride. I have also just recently been elected to the Anton Art Center board, so I'm a trustee wow. on the Anton Art Center, which I don't know if you've ever been to. It it is really a very nice building. And so if you ever have the op- if you ever just come to Mount Clemens, there's not a whole lot to see, I mean, downtown, but certainly we can meet at the um, uh, Anton Art Center. It is really a beautiful building. Uh, the original part, first part of the building was built by Mr. Carnegie, Andrew Carnegie, Carnegie back in the 1909, 1910 or something like that, and then the mm-hmm. new part of the building is, of course, is the expanded art center. So I enjoy art is something I'm very much interested in. I've always 
show love for art. I mean, I'm not an artist, but, you know, I do love art. And so, um, and I've, I've learned enough about my own community being a part of, you know, this is where I was born and raised. And I just believe that I can help support uh, to ensure that black youth are a part of um, uh, um, programming as it relates to art here in, in Mount Clemens. Mm-hmm. And that is one of the initiatives that is very dear to me. So, but yeah. Well, see, we have gone from a lunch to, I mean, a whole day. And if you keep talking, <laughs> you know, you got to, you got to pull out that, pull out the couch and a pillow and blanket for me because I am loving what I'm hearing about this. Well, Pamela, I want to thank you. I mean, I look forward to seeing you the weekend, the 15th, 16th, or 17th, one, if not yeah. every day. I'll be, and, I'll be there every day. Okay. Well, hey, it's a plan. And yeah. um, meeting these other people and can do it, I thank you for all you do for, for keeping that light alive. I mean, look at where we've gone. We started, like, with you. We talked about Pauline Murray. We talked about the NAACP. And now we're talking about, I mean, you've just done a perfect commercial for Mount Clemens and for Macomb Pride. Thank you so much. You are very welcome. And I enjoy uh, our conversations, and I look forward to seeing you um, at Macomb County Pride. Um, Take good care of yourself and be safe. Okay. Well, look, I will talk to you. I'll probably talk to you before then, but if not, I'll see you then. Okay. Thank you. Thank you so much. Okay. All right. Bye-bye. I want to thank my guest, social justice activist, Pamela E. Alexander, the former deputy executive director of the Ruth Ellis Center, now leads the North Macomb County branch of the NAACP, working to ensure all residents of Macomb County secure the political, educational, social, and economic equality of rights in order to eliminate discrimination. Be sure and follow Collections by Michelle Brown Blog Radio on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And let us know if you have a suggestion for a guest or topic for a future show. You can listen to this or past episodes of the show on SoundCloud, iTunes, Stitcher, or Blog Talk Radio. Join us next week when I'll introduce you to another amazing individual living between the lines, standing boldly in the crosshairs of their intersectionality and creating change right here on Collections by Michelle Brown. Thank you for listening. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.